Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to educating and empowering men to address erectile dysfunction, improve confidence, and enhance the satisfaction in their relationships. This podcast is brought to you by ErectionIQ.com. Learn more at ErectionIQ.com. Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. I am Mark Goldberg, Certified Sex Therapist. I am deeply passionate about working with men like you to help resolve their ED. We are back with another episode of the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. Today we are joined by a guest named Williams and Richards. Williams is a Canadian author who lives in Montreal. In his inaugural novel titled, titled Mother, the main character struggles with erectile dysfunction. Williams himself has been on his own journey of experiencing erectile dysfunction and ultimately getting to a better place. He is a 49-year-old divorced uh, father of two teenage boys. We're going to link to um, more information about Williams and his writing in the description of the episode below. Williams, thank you very much for joining us. No problem. Thank you for having me. And uh, you can call me Will. Okay, so we'll call you Will. Um, well, so can you just start us off by uh, giving our listeners a little bit more background information on yourself and in particular uh, with the aspects of your life um, leading up to, during, um, and currently as they pertain to the experience of erectile dysfunction? Uh, sure. Um, so uh, ED is something that only happened to me um I guess, in the last sort of decade of my life. So between the ages of uh, 42 and uh, 40, 48, as you said, I'm, I'm 49 now. Um, although perhaps worth discussing a little bit later on, I did have one uh, episode of ED in my 20s, which at the time didn't really think very much of, but now in my uh, thought process and reflection process, I actually look back at that particular episode as kind of kind of interesting but for the for all intents and purposes i never had any problems uh with ed uh or or performance issues uh, in the bedroom uh in my 20s uh 30s uh, while i was married uh but it was only after um after i separated and left uh, the marriage and got back into dating uh that i was shocked stunned, somewhat horrified to have these problems. So you're saying that this happened at that period post-separation and exactly. getting back into the dating scene. Exactly. Okay. So Williams, it's, or Will, sorry, it sounds sorry. like this was roughly about six, seven years ago that you're re-entering the dating scene. And you know, a topic that That's we've right. covered extensively on this podcast, we've heard from a lot of guests about this reality um, is the shifting nature of the dating scene. I would make an assumption that it looked a little bit different um, when you were getting back into the dating scene than when you had originally been in there prior to getting married. Is that a fair assumption? Uh, yes. I mean, I think you're probably referring to, uh, maybe you're referring to like uh, dating apps and, and yes. so forth. And I didn't really use those at all. Uh, I was uh, just doing my own I'm a pretty social person, uh, so I was able to meet people more organically, I guess. Um, but that didn't, um, you know. And I, I think after after um, after uh, being with somebody exclusively for 15 years, um, I was quite excited uh, to have some some freedom 
to meet other partners. And um, that excitement quickly turned into just, I, I guess, incredible confusion. Um, and uh, and shame, shame to a degree, but probably more confusion uh, when uh, in the first couple of times that I was with people, um, either things didn't work as well as I wanted them to, or they didn't work at all. Hmm. Um, and I, I was just flabbergasted. Like I had never, like I said, I had never had this problem before. Uh, my wife, uh, my ex-wife and I were, uh, you know, had sexual relations almost up until the time that, that, uh, we separated. So, um, you know, because people would say to me, people would say, uh, uh when I would bring this up with, uh, people, either close friends that I felt comfortable I could talk about with, or I went to a couple of sex therapists and, you know, there's always this, well, you know, you're getting older, you know, you are, you are getting older and I'm 42 at that time. Okay. That's true. But, you know, three months ago, this wasn't a problem. Yes. Yeah. And now it's a pro now it's a big problem. So it's not like I aged uh, 20 years in, in, in three months, like, okay, I'm older, but I'm not older. You know, I'm not that much older than I, I'm three months older than I was when it wasn't a problem. And then also, um, you know, my, my defense to, to the, you're getting older, uh, uh, comments was always, well, you know, but, but I'm masturbating you know, okay. and that's, so, not, yeah, and that's yeah. not a problem. Couple really, couple really good points here, which is the sudden onset of erectile dysfunction, or what appears like the sudden onset, uh, coupled mm. with such a major shift or transition or change in one's life, it's probably a pretty mm -hmm. good indicator that it's not age-driven. And mm -hmm. the second point that you're making is that discrepancy between what a person can do on their own, um, mm. masturbation or solo sexual activity, and what they can do with a partner is oftentimes very. Um, indicative of whether this is a aging biological issue or whether this is a uh, psychological or psychosexual driven type of issue. One of the other things that, that kind of stuck out to me in your description is that this really was like something which was quite exciting to be free again and to mm. be able to be out there with other partners, which really kind of feeds the confusion, which is like, I want, I want to be out there. I want to be engaging with new people. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Sounds like it was supposed to be a really fun, exciting opportunity, a fun, exciting um, um, <laughs> turn of events in your life. Yes. You get yeah, the exact exactly. opposite yes. reaction from your body. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and it was, it was just, you know, I mean, I, 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 I mean, maybe it, maybe everybody does, but like, I enjoy sex and, and I enjoy, and I, and, um, I enjoy pleasing people. I enjoy pleasing my partners. Um, and I am, you know, I think I'm in good physical health. You know, I like, I like, I have good self-esteem. I like myself. I like my body. Um, and uh, I am fortunate enough that, uh, you know, I'm often able to attract partners, um, that would like to spend the night with me or like to, like to, to have a relationship with me long or short. Um, and it still happened. 
Yeah, so you're you know, checking and I, and all, I can, the, all the obvious boxes. You're checking all the obvious right. boxes. And it's just a really confusing, frustrating, upsetting experience, I would imagine. And you said there's also elements of just shame. Like, what what is going on here? Like, what's wrong with yeah, it? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think, I think that, uh, yeah, it was, it was like I was on another planet. Yeah. And I didn't understand any, and I was like, I've all, I don't know, like all of a sudden my body was alien to me. I didn't understand its own language. I didn't understand why it was responding or not responding the way that it was. Uh, I was with somebody that, you know, I was with a partner that I was excited to be with, that mm -hmm. I wanted to be with, um, or at least that I consciously I did, I would say. Maybe there's a little bit more to, to uncover behind that. But, um, you know, I... I I, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to, um, have fun sexually, mm -hmm. uh, and, everything, and my everything body, seemed, yeah, everything seemed to, align. my body just said, yeah, my body just said, no. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, not only, not only you're not going to have fun, it's going to be really awkward. <laughs> it's like the opposite, like yes what you want you are going to get a helping of the exact a serving of the exact opposite you, you're going for dessert and you're getting you know like a bowl of mud yeah. and uh and and so eat that and then explain it to the pseudo stranger that uh, is beside you in bed yes so you talk about performance right? anxiety <laughs> so if it wasn't there before for many minutes it starts oh. to kick in once once a couple of these experiences happen um, that you begin to think about it and overthink and worry. So I imagine that there probably was some of that that went on here. But just to Absolutely. kind of, us, yeah, it just kind of goes like a timeline. So you're 42 years old, back in some you know dating scene, and there's an element of confidence. You said didn't feel any need to go on the apps. Like you go out and meet people in person, sociable kind of guy, and like all these elements that that really would seem to support promote like a excitation and a healthy erection process are there and it's just not coming. So how long did this persist before you reach the conclusion? There's something going on with me psychologically and then make that decision to reach out for help. So, I mean, I think that it really, it was really like the entire six year uh, journey. Uh, you know, I sort of, I feel today right now that you know and I, I i don't want to tempt fate but i i feel like i've figured it out uh and the last uh three um experiences i've had it, it hasn't been an issue um but you know i would say and, and i've and i mean i'm i think i'm lucky in a way that for other reasons in my life i've always almost always since i've been a teenager have had a therapist somewhere in my life somewhere lurking around like maybe not weekly or monthly but but somewhere somewhere there and that's that's continued continues to this day as not not a sex therapist just a, a regular psychologist so i was uh, and i say that i'm lucky for to have that for two reasons um one is that uh i'm i think i'm highly attuned to why things are happening in my head and my emotions because of that work that I've done over the years. And then the other is, is that I wasn't scared to go see a sex therapist. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this is a, this is a, this is a, an issue. Uh, so let's go talk to a sex therapist. And I did, I taught, I spoke to, to two 
And, uh, you know, I have to say that it, that it wasn't, it was a comforting experience uh, speaking with the sex therapist, but it wasn't a, a helpful experience. And obviously, uh, you know, every sex therapist is different. And I, one of the things that I really like about uh, the work that I see uh, you do is the thoroughness. Uh, you know, I haven't been in therapy with you, but I've, but I've seen through your podcast and your website and everything, like you're very, you're very thorough about this particular issue and men's health and men's sexuality uh, in general. And I'm sure that makes a big difference. Like I'm sure there's lots of different sex therapists. So anyway, the one that I, the, the couple that I saw, they were more focused on, um, sort of uh, the mental state one, like really like, how do you get into the mental state to relax enough to be able to perform sexually? And so there was a lot of uh, talk and discussion about, um, you know, what do you need to do? Do you need to like go for a run beforehand to, to relax? Do you need to um, think, you know, when you think about your girlfriend or the, or the, the person that you want to sleep with, and, you know, imagine her in a very sexy way, uh, focus on your breathing, all this type of, all this, and, and, you know, and know that it's normal. This happened. You're not the only man. This might be the first time it's happening to you, but it happens to men frequently and so forth. But I found that these sort of techniques actually just, in my case anyway, um, compounded the performance anxiety because it was almost like, okay, focus on these techniques so that you can perform well <laughs> now that just makes me think about performing yeah <laughs> so so it wasn't it wasn't very helpful i didn't pursue it and after about i would say six months i fell into my first uh of two uh, uh girlfriend relationships uh during the six-year period mm -hmm. so i in the last six in the last six years I've been fortunate enough to have two uh, two girlfriends, each uh, relationship lasting about two years, with about a year, you know, in in between them. So, at the beginning of uh, the the first relationship, the problems were there a, a little bit, but I had uh, uh, I had a non-relationship relationship with this woman for about uh, five years prior to us becoming boyfriend and girlfriend. So there was already a comfort level there. And then she also was really comfortable uh, sexually, much more than me. Uh, in fact, a lot of my openness around uh, my own sexuality is, you know, thankful to, to her and the kind of person that she was. And so I think there was a, a little bit of a comfort level there. And then anytime there was kind of a, a little bit of an issue, um, she, it was kind of funny. Like she, she just, she just told me I could do it. She was like, it's not a problem. Like you're going to do it. Like you can do it. Like almost like, like uh, I'm a coach for, uh, for uh, one of my uh, children's uh, hockey teams. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm not a great technical coach. I just tell the kids, you can do it. You're a motivator. <laughs> you know, yeah, like you can do it. You can do it. Like, you, you know, nothing's going to stop you. You can do it. I mean, and, and, and I feel like almost like that's, that's the message she was giving me. Like it was just, it wasn't about like, uh, I mean, yes, she cared. And yes, it didn't matter and all these things. But it was almost just like this unbridled 
enthusiasm and confidence uh, that uh, that also helped uh, mm -hmm. just kind of get past it. And then once I was past it, no problem. You know, I had this two-year relationship, uh, and and um, it was quite lovely and quite wonderful. And for different reasons, it, it ended. Uh, and then as soon as it ended, I'm back in this, at like at kind of almost a, like a rerun of the same situation. Like, oh, it's, you know, too bad that like, I mean, I was quite upset that the relationship was over, but at the same time I was like, okay, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not 82, I'm 44, you know, I'm not 84, I'm 44. There's still like time to do what I want to do. So let's kind of get back out there. And then, you know, like, uh, like, uh, hit me like a truck, same thing happened. So, and, and again, just, you know, it wasn't any easier the second time, mm -hmm. you know, or the second round. I mean, it was more than just once, but you know, it wasn't easier. It was still like, what is going on and why is this happening? And I don't get it. And that again, same, you know, without belaboring the point, like same kind of issues. Um, and I was single for about maybe a year and a half, two years, I guess. And then I, and then, uh, my second girlfriend uh, of this period, uh, began dating her. Um, and there was almost no issues right from the beginning. So that was, I, in fact, I remember the first night that we spent together, I was like surprised and relieved that I performed. Mm -hmm. Almost uh, a sign that she's the keeper. Yeah, exactly. Like it was just, it was just, and, and again, I had known this person. I had a bit of a relationship with her predating our, our dating life. Uh, and, and there were some things that happened, which I'm now putting my finger on as to why maybe it was a bit easier. Mm -hmm. um, so then anyway, that's two years. And then that relationship ends. And then I'm back. Uh, so now I'm like 47 and I'm back on the dating scene. And I, but I think I've kind of got this thing figured out and it happens again, Mark, it happens again. So devastating. Cause like, it's, and it's, like, it's like, stop, start, stop, start. It feels like you're there. It's resolved. You got over the hump and then only to find out that it's back. Exactly. And I think that's when I was like, okay, I, I want to understand this. I want to figure this out. Like, why is this happening to me? Um, you know, I mean, maybe it's, it's a bit silly to say, like, I don't want it to be happening. I mean, I guess nobody does, but, but why can I masturbate without like, I mean, I had situations where, you know, I would be in a casual dating situation. I would try all night to get an erection, not succeed. Okay. To, and I'm with somebody and th they don't know me very well. I mean, and, and I feel terrible for that person who is kind of subjected to me trying different things all night, being determined, but it, it being futile. That person leaves. Five minutes later, I can masturbate. Yeah. <laughs> like what? What's happening? So so I just I just started to, to just really think you know, I, I mean, for lack of a, a lack of, I don't, I don't know why. I just like, I, I like, I, I'm a person that likes to understand problems. I like to understand myself. Like I said about the therapy that I, that I have been a part of over the years. And so I was just like, 
what is going on and like why what is the role of i think where i where i really, when i started to look at it over the last year and i and i looked at the continuum of events i'm like okay something happened in my marriage right because there was no problem before my marriage and now there's a problem so what is it about about being married or being with somebody for 10 15 years having sure our ups and downs but it was an exclusive uh, partnership uh, on both sides like what was going on there and the the best thing that I could come up with and that I I, I guess I have some conviction about is that um, intimacy was was developed and understood and appreciated by my conscious maybe not my conscious self but my by my unconscious self um, in a way that the younger me who never had a problem getting erection just was completely oblivious to so um and even if even if the marriage wasn't wasn't perfect um that's still a kind of intimacy you know, intimacy doesn't have to be uh, just love. It, intimacy can be friction and difficulties and and challenges, but that's still a high. That's still a level of intimacy. And you're with one person for 15 years, like you have this particular uh, kind of connection. Like I said, it might be a good connection, it might be a bad connection, but it's still a deep, intimate connection. Yeah. And I, I, I like where you're going with this just because it, it sounded like they're the two partners that you had in between. They're both with some kind of previous comfort knowledge of each other. There was something again, it's it's hard to compare anything to a 15 year marriage. Um, but it sounds like, again, this seems to be the working pieces for you. OK, so you were you were reflecting on this. Did something shift in your partnered sexual paradigm toward like that intimacy being a necessary component, um, at least for consistent sexual activity? So my, I mean, I would say yes and no. I mean, my issue was, is, is that I, there was still this part of me that, because I think in some ways I'm quite in, insecure sexually. Um, and I think that's why um, being with different partners uh, has been interesting for me because I want I don't know, there's something maybe that I feel that I have to prove to myself in this sort of male cultural way. Um, and so what I, what, I, what I kind of didn't want to accept was that I was only going to be able to get an erection in a meaningful relationship, mm -hmm. okay? Like I sort of felt like, no, like I want to fool around and I want my body to perform when I want it to perform. You know, and if that means on um, casual sex, then that's what I that's what I would like to have happen. And so I think this this but this intimacy component, I feel, was very helpful in sort of identifying that because that kind of made sense to me, as, as you just said, then. So if, if, the, if that intimacy is there, um, then I'm going to have a better chance to, to perform if that intimacy is not there. OK, well, what am I going to do? So then that brought me to the next sort of thinking phase, which is, okay, well, what do you do to create intimacy? You know, what do you need? What do I need to create intimacy? And I thought, well, I guess I need to feel safe. 
because if I feel safe, uh, then I'm going to naturally feel more intimate with that partner. And, um, you know, and I, th I think that, that, that sort of, and, and, I, and, I, and I realized, like somebody asked me once, well, what turns you on? And I said, kind of without thinking about it, I said, intimacy and safety. Well, that's, that's interesting. That's not like a beautiful body or, uh, you know, a younger woman or what, like, that's a, that's a really, that's, you know, that's kind of an interesting answer, I thought. And um, so then I sort of went on the next level is like, okay, well, how do you create safety when you meet somebody? And, and what are you, what is, what exactly are you, um, or am I uh, being safe about? Like, what am I, what am I trying to protect? in that, in that safe area. And I thought, well, um, I guess if, you know, if, if you're, if you're worried about safety, uh, you must be concerned about being vulnerable. And so, uh, looking for, um, a safe place for my vulnerability, but that, that was maybe important. And then, um, so then, you know, it's difficult for me to remember the exact order of the way that I was processing this, but then my line of thinking went to, um, well, how do you show somebody your vulnerability? And I thought, well, what do I do when I want to seduce a woman? When I want to get a woman's attention, uh, what are the things that I do? And I thought, well, the, fir the first thing I do, I know that I do, is I, I want to make them laugh. So I'll tell, not jokes, but I'll, you know, a little banter to try and see if I can get a reaction, a, a positive reaction. And I'm like, well, well what is that banter? Well, and I, sa I said, in, I, I think in a way it's like you're doing a mini stand-up routine, right? Like you're, you want to perform for this, this potential partner and... And if you think of, if you've ever written, like seen an interview of stand-up comedians, like it's the most vulnerable job in the world. Like they're standing up on this stage with nothing but a microphone in front of like thousands of people or hundreds of people or dozens of people. And in a way, this is, this is the same sort of thing. It's just on a microcosm level. So if I, if I tell a, a joke or two or, or, or make some funny comment or a self-deprecating comment or something like that, and I get a positive reaction, Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. I feel I, I, I know I'm safe to try another one. You know, I'm, I, I've, I've, I've exposed myself. I've, I've gone out on a limb and I've exposed myself in a very small way because on the contrary, if I get no reaction, if I get sort of like shut down or that's not funny or just, just no reaction, well, I'm going to close back up. I'm not going to try another joke, right? I'm not going to. So, so I started out with like laughing, but then there's other things that I would do. I would, I would uh, invite people over for dinner. So, and you know, what's that about? Well, I'm not a, like a chef, like I, I can cook all right, but I, I'm not a fantastic chef, but it's, it's, I think subconsciously I'm, I'm, I'm looking like, is this, does this person like my food? Do they like what I do? Do they say that they like it? That's one thing, but will they eat everything on their plate? You know, that's another thing. And it's again, a kind of vulnerability, like, uh, I'm putting this out there. They may not like it, you know, they may not eat it. 
Uh, but if they do, that's, I'm feeling a little more safe. You know, I'm feeling a little more uh, like I'm creating this, this place that I, that I need. And then that would go to, I happen to play guitar. So can I sing them a song, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it and sounds, if I can do that. Yeah, I'm going to slow you down. It sounds to me yeah. like, um, going, kind of going back to the insecurity, there was an underlying, maybe like a very, very subtle underlying anxiety about stepping into new encounters, new relationships. And it sounds like, again, initially the guidance that you were, were, were being given was around increasing your excitement, increasing your enjoyment, right. trying to relax. And like, you had a lot of those components already there, but there was this fear about if I show up as myself, how is this person going to react? How are they going to accept this? And it almost sounds like you've come up with a way of saying, I'm going to get the vulnerability piece out in front of all of this. I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to be myself. And I'm going to see how does this person react? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, and I, and I, I really feel that that is the, the big, uh, the big difference is yeah. to, is by being, as vulnerable as possible, uh, I'm going to see. I'm gonna I'm gonna do two things. If that vulnerability, I'm gonna see if that vulnerability is is gonna be accepted or not, and not more than accepted, like taken care of, mm -hmm. you know, and um, and it's also going to allow me to feel safe. And if I feel safe, I, I think, on a subconscious level then I'm ready, you know, then I'm ready to, 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 to go farther. And what I found is, is that, um, although I think that my days of looking for, um, more casual sexual, sexual encounters are, are less of less interest to me mm -hmm. than, uh, maybe, maybe a few years ago. Um, I've tried this out this this idea out over the last six months where it'll be somebody that I don't know quite so well but I but I do these things where I put myself in a vulnerable uh, situation and and it's really worked and do you know what the most vulnerable thing you can say is well I would assume one of them I have ED. I have I have, I have ED yes. yes I have ED and and we're gonna get we're gonna get together, and I might not perform. I might not put it up. And um, like it's you know it. First of all, the reaction from well, first of all, the reason why I started doing that was not actually the reason why I started uh, telling my partners that this could be an issue was not actually because I was some like Machiavellian uh, way to actually get an erection. Mm -hmm. Quite the contrary. It was that um, in my journey of trying to understand what, what was going on with me, uh, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have some really close um, women friends, you know, girlfriends and like, they're not, they're not, uh, we're not partners, but yeah. friends who are women, women, friends of mine, yeah. uh, friends who are women. And I would bring up my story with them you know, rather sort of shamefully, everyone said that's happened to me. 
I haven't spoken to one woman that has said that has not said this is how, including, including recently a woman in her early twenties, two actually two women in the early twenties that, yeah. that we were talking about it, and, and so and then I would ask them, well, you know, how did you how did you take that? And they all felt awful. And and I said, but you know, I'm like, I don't like what? What do you mean? It's like, well, I didn't. Was I doing something wrong? Was I not sexy? Was I not attractive? like all these things. And I was like, like, that is completely not what's happening. Not the case. Yeah. That is not like, this is so in my head and so in my body. And like, it has absolutely nothing to do with you. So my reasons for bringing it up uh, to my partners after I heard those stories from my women friends was because I was like, if this happens, I don't want you to feel bad. You know, if this happens, this, 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 like, like you're super, beautiful, attractive, sexy woman. Uh, this is in my head. So I want to tell you now so that you know, uh, it's not about you. So that was my intention. But the, the, the secondary effect of that was hyper vulnerability. Right. You got to see how and, they responded, how they you know, reacted. Yeah, exactly. And they all responded like, no problem. You know, like, we'll just take it as it goes. And we'll see how you know, like, and I've yeah. been here before. I've so, had it happen before. And so that just created this space where, um, you know, like I said, the last the last three or four encounters that have been more casual in nature, no problem. Yeah. Well, this is a really, really powerful story because I think that, you know, one of the things that you're highlighting is a journey that that oftentimes happens in, you know, I know in the clinical setting in my office um, where guys really get kind of get down to the bottom of what is driving like what otherwise is seemingly a confusing experience of erectile dysfunction. Um, and I think you, you've, you know, come up with a way that makes sense for you in terms of addressing that, that underlying worry, that underlying, um, that angst, that worry by recognizing, like, I, I need to feel like I can be vulnerable with somebody in order to perform. And I know that wasn't the original intention of this, of this, we'll call it an intervention or of this move to, to share that vulnerability. It really was to take care of the partner's end. But um, I think paradoxically, by getting that out of the way, so to speak, in the beginning, um, there's nothing to be afraid of at that point. Nobody has to worry about what the other person is thinking. We've spoken about it already. Um, and in a, in a way, by not focusing on relaxing, by actually making it a very potentially tense and unrelaxed environment in the beginning, um, the rest of it kind of fell into place, which is just so powerful. As I've sort of, I guess, kind of figured out how to um, wire myself, what I need, on a, and I think mostly a subconscious level to to be able to get to the to the state that I wanted to to perf, you know to perform and to not have ED be so bothersome. Um, I have also thought about well, what you know, still like, why, why am I having these problems in the first place? And what does it mean when I can't get an erection? And I think what, where I'm trying to go with this is that um, I think ultimately uh, I do want to have a committed, uh, intimate, one-on-one um, -on -one partnership. And I think that my erection or lack of erection 
is telling me that. So I think that there's that, that I think it would, I think it's very tempting when it happens to you when you don't get erections when you, when you want to, because, you know, the way the penis is, it's a very physical thing. Like you want it to get hard and it's not getting hard. And, but my, you know, I'm not a therapist. You're the expert. I'm just one person in one journey. But my instinct is, is that the penis is not the problem. It's more like a bellwether. It's, it's a signal. Yes. Yeah, so and the there's penis, something yeah. going on in your mind, in your relationship, in whatever it is. And, and it's almost like your, 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 your penis is saying there's things you need to fix. And it's, but it's way easier. Like who wants to fix a relationship when you can just take a pill? So like, there, it's, there, there it's much really, easier. Totally understand. There are two really com important components of what you're saying. So one is a lot of times the penis will, will talk for the subconscious when mm. like it knows mm. that, that something isn't good for you based on the structure of your subconscious, it will oftentimes, you know, get in the way of allowing for performance. That's number one. Number two, one of the things that I ask every uh, single guy that comes into the office um, and certainly something that I speak about on uh, the opening to the course that we that we offer is um, you don't need to get an erection in every possible situation that we can come up with. You need to get an erection when you need an erection. And I think that's mm. a discovery that 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 you're also sharing here, which is like I, I, I coming to that acceptance that I ultimately want to be in a relationship. I, I, I get the appeal of the hookups. Um, but that's not really where I want to be. Um, and when you take that step back and say, well, yeah, outside of that hookup scene, um, where it's just like a, a quick fling, like when I get myself into a relationship and I can get that vulnerability juice flowing, I'm in a much better space. Um, and that really is my subconscious talking. Not everything has to be repaired. So mm -hmm. if you don't need an erection in that setting, of, uh, in the hookup setting, um, then nothing's really wrong. Um, yeah. it's just a matter of working with what, uh, makes sense for you. I mean, it sounds like you've come to that, that conclusion about yourself, that what your mind is telling you is, um, it really appreciates and values the safety, the comfort, the security that comes in that long-term relationship. That's where you feel most comfortable at this point, a lesson that you may have learned over the 15 years in your marriage and internalized. Absolutely. And, and I would also say, you know, having, been i guess lucky enough to have uh you know different sexual experiences best sex i've ever had is in a relationship and not even close you know not even not even close like uh so so if there's people out there that really feel oh uh i'm missing part of life because i'm not playing the field i don't know if that's something you want to do and you need to do go ahead but like you're not, you're, you're the, the pleasure, the intimacy, the, the, um, adrenaline, none of these things, uh, the best that I've ever had have been when I've been in committed relationships. Yeah. That's a really, really just, you know, powerful message, I think for the men who are listening and everybody's different with this. Um, of course. we are, we are wired for connection. That's, you know, certainly one of our core, um, and central features. And I, I think that that does take on um, a more pronounced role in people's lives, certainly as they age. 
um, it, it does become much, much more important to many people to um, be having sex in the context of something which feels safe, secure, and comfortable, however uh, they come to that configuration. Uh, William, Williams, it, it has been fantastic having you on this episode. If I could ask you for like a final parting word to our listeners, what would that be? I think it would be see a therapist. You know, if you need help, if uh, you don't have to do this uh, by yourself and definitely um, you, you know, I think, I think therapy is a journey that you do ultimately on your own in a sense that the therapist is a guide uh, to, to help you along, but you're the one doing the work. Uh, so in some senses, you don't need to find the perfect therapist. You just want to get started because it's your journey. But certainly, uh, you know, today on the on with the internet and what we have access to, if you have a particular problem and you can find a therapist that has experience in that particular problem, uh, that could be a great place to uh, to start. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't have said it better myself. Williams, once again, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. For more information on today's topic and understanding how the mind impacts erectile dysfunction, please visit ErectionIQ.com. That's ErectionIQ.com.